0: to share their lives with the world in hopes that someone will be inspired to take action and live life with passion and purpose. Welcome to the Uncover Your Magic podcast with me, Ashley Donner. Are you ready? Here we go. Hello, and welcome back to Uncover Your Magic. I can't believe we're already... At the end of March, you know, I know time goes by fast, but when you are seriously like living in the moment, loving and breathing life as if every moment counts like I do. And I try to impress that upon who I come in contact with in my life, who I help with my classes, but, you know, with my girls, even uh, Presley competed last weekend in a pageant. And most of you who know me know they've been doing pageants since they were eight years old. And it was a postcard that came in the mail. (laughs) Believe it or not, it was not the mother. I was never in pageants. But yeah, this whole experience of being in the moment, watching as a mother and seeing them grow and learn. And I think a pageant, you know, there's so many different things, you know, we do in our life that shows our growth. But from my standpoint of what I just experienced watching her at 14 years old was a huge transition, huge growth. And interview is one of the biggest parts of why Richard and I believe so strongly about pageants. And and how much it's really made them understand communicating and expressing themselves and, you know, eye contact and figuring out how to talk to adults at a young age. But it's just been a beautiful experience. And I'm coming off of that weekend and reflection of looking at life in the moment because I do. And if my wish for you is to look at every moment, See the magic, like I always talk about, because, you know, we only get this time right now. And gosh, you might as well find the magic that is surrounding you. And being so present is such a gift in life that you can give yourself. And speaking of being in the moment and looking at everything in your life as perfect, like I always say, it's today's my guest. Her name is Kelly Sullivan Walden. She's wrote many books, but her latest book is called A Crisis Is a Terrible Thing to Waste. And when you think of, I don't know, I, I know a lot of you that have done the Joshua program with me, with Gary Bodley. You know, we do the manifestation event forms. Well, part of her book, she has a process called ogling. It's O G L E. And it reminded me of the manifestation event form. So I was, you'll understand when you hear how she ogles every part of her life that at the time seems like a tragedy or a crisis into a blessing and a lesson and, you know, a miracle. And when, you know, I look at just what I experienced this weekend, you know, I see girls that, you know, struggle or, You watch the interactions with the parents and just sitting there observing. If you could look at everything as part of your lesson here and that you created it. And when you realize that at such a young age, like my girls have, everything becomes kind of, I mean, like a miracle, even if it looks like it's bad. (laughs) We always say, I wonder what is going to come from this. And it's always, this is so interesting. So if you have your kids, I would highly recommend doing that because if they can start having that perspective in life early on before they leave you, that will be a game changer. Can you imagine going through life young, knowing that all the you think are these terrible moments that you would say are terrible or perfect and always wondering what the silver lining is. Well, Kelly talks about that a lot. It's like um, chicken soup for the soul, those books that I'm sure you've all heard of uh, Jack Canfield and that he wrote with Mark Victor Hansen, but it reminds me of that kind of book. So there's short stories explaining the miracles that come from what you think is a tragic situation in your life. So I really enjoyed reading this book. I know we all could write a book like this. And it's kind of fun when you do read books like this, going back into your life and saying, oh my gosh, look at all those times and the stories I could write that turned out to be perfect. And it always is. And so with that, let me tell you a little bit about Kelly before I bring her on. She wrote a book, she's written written many books, but this last one, I'm going to tell you a little bit about it and we will get going on her interview, which is absolutely fun and amazing. She is an expert and media personality, certified clinical hypnotherapist, and award-winning best-selling author. She's Reverend Dr. Kelly Sullivan Walden. She's also known as Dr. Dream. She shares wisdom gained from her 25-year history of healing with therapy, shamans, gurus, 12-step programs, as well as her years of working with clients as a dream therapist. Through the telling of her personal tragic to magic stories, Kelly demonstrates how she alchemized her challenges into philosophy of strength, forgiveness, and personal transformation and how readers can do the same. I really believe that like her ogling i'll tell you what o is o is what is the offending behavior or situation so you figure that out what is it the what offended you g is what is good about that offending behavior or situation because there's always something good l is how am i peering into the looking glass like how is your perspective how are you seeing it and then e is how will i allow this situation to elevate me so like I was telling you earlier about how we write and I even share with my clients the manifestation event form that has really transformed my life and understanding anything that's triggering you or affecting your life in some way, in a negative way to really go down those those steps, the ogle method for Kelly. But anyway, you'll enjoy this episode. We talk about dreams too, because she's that's really what, kind of put her on the map was Dr. Dream and I think you'll really enjoy her. She's a neat lady. So without further ado, let me bring Kelly Sullivan Walden to the show. Welcome Kelly.
1: Thank you, Ashley. So great to be with my sister from another mister.
0: <laughs> great. <to laughs> oh meet you. gosh, I know. Well, before we pushed record, I was telling Kelly that her new book out, A Crisis is a Terrible Thing to Waste. I mean that's like what your 10th or 11th book. It depends on if
1: you count journals and books. So we'll say 10 just to be conservative about it.
0: Okay. <laughs> yeah. So here I'm reading this book cuz she sent it to me and it was so beautiful. It reminded me kind of of was chicken soup for the soul, but you were on mm. that book too, right? You was Yeah. With, you yeah. Check I,
1: well, Amy Newmark, she's been the publisher now for probably, she bought the franchise from um, from Jack Canfield and, and Mark Victor Hansen years ago. Oh, okay. So she's probably done a thousand titles since I don't know how many hundreds. Huh. But we did two books together. We did Dreams and Premonitions and Dreams and the Unexplainable. So as a co-author, that means I... I write the introduction to the book, and then I write a couple of the stories that are in the book, and then I aggregate all the rest of the stories. So it was quite a work. Uh, it, it was amazing. It was such. There were thousands of them that got sent in, and we had to just find a hundred and one of the oh, best. Huh. It was a really yeah, that was cool. So, but the new book is kind of like
0: yeah, Chicken reminded school, where me it's of that a, a short bit. story that yeah has a payoff at the end. Hopefully. But you know, I want to write a book one day and i once my children aren't needing me to drive them to like we were just talking about right be uber focused. driver mom <laughs> <laughs> um but it, what it reminded me of was um my my stories like my girls would be like you did that mom that happened right. oh my gosh are you kidding me like but then i would be i when i'm reading this book and how i relate to so many of them mm-hmm. but the reason i'm saying that is I look at it now as a 54-year-old woman like you, right? We're the same age. okay? Yeah. And looking at it like you did, you took this book from the higher perspective, knowing that everything is always perfect. Yeah. Right? I love saying, I'm always like the person that's like, hashtag, it's always perfect.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag, don't shoot me just because it's always perfect.
0: (laughs) But no, I mean, like whatever you think is wrong is not wrong. Whatever you think is bad or... So that's what I loved about it because I am all about that because I love looking at life like that, like you do.
1: Right. And sometimes it takes hindsight to show us that. But if we have enough experience doing that backward look and looking and, and taking stock of our lives and noticing that the best bits of wisdom that we have, I'll speak for myself, The the really, if I have anything to offer anybody, yes, I'm a dream expert. Yes, I can help people understand the wisdom of their dreams. That's something I have to offer. But I think the thing that I have to offer that is most valuable is the fact that I've lived through so many things that were death defying and that put me right at that place where even if I did survive it, I could have been of the consciousness of life sucks and then you die. and But I didn't end up that way. And the best things I have to offer people are my stories of how I fell and how I struggled and then how I eventually clawed my way out and then who I am today. Like in 12-step programs, they say, what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now and 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 then with a with a tale to tell with with like a strategy for how to overcome any obstacle. so I'm actually i I was embarrassed, like really mortified putting this book out. It was very, very scary, but at this point, I'm actually having done a number of interviews at this point, I feel like, wait a minute, these are now. My favorite stories, and especially those stories that I pull out of my treasure trove when somebody's going through something difficult, whether they be super jealous because somebody, you know, their boyfriend's looking at somebody else, or they're dealing with the death of a loved one, or they're dealing with their own mortality. I'm like, oh, I've got this story to tell you. (laughs) So.
0: It's a blessing in disguise. Oh, I love it. I want to go, before we get into this, some of the stories in the book that were my favorites that I want you to share, I want to go because you are Dr. Dream, like, and I'm all about dreams. That's why oh. when I started going down this Kelly <laughs> um, <laughs> journey, I'm like, oh my gosh. I'd be like, oh, here we go. Ashley's going to tell me her dream. But I want people to understand where that even came from, where that birthed where Kelly became the dream expert. Yeah, it's so funny. It's
1: like being a fish and one of those fish becomes like a swimming teacher. (laughs) So it's like, we're all dreamers. We all from the place of dreams and it's our first language, all of us. It's just, I happened to become aware of the fact that I was dreaming. And, and I had a sister who was my partner in, in crime, partner in shine, in dreams. So I I think I I remembered my dreams because I had somebody to share them with that didn't think I was crazy, who turns out we were having tandem dreaming experiences very often where we'd end up in the same dreams at the same time. So I think because of that special relationship, I just had a deeper emphasis on dreams going through Mm -hmm. my life than most people. Most people kind of by the time you're a teenager, you stop paying attention to them and start focusing on boys and whatever, you know, all the things that bling and sparkle. But I kept an attention on dreams because I had such a reverence for them with my relationship with my sister. And then when I became a certified clinical hypnotherapist about 25 years ago, I I was really already attuned to the subconscious mind, which is the way the language it's where our dreams come from and dreams are the language of the subconscious mind so I already had kind of a, a step ahead in some way I felt like I already knew the subconscious and and then once I became certified and I started to work with clients I started to notice that the moment a client would share a dream with me everything would switch Like everything would go to being nice and organized and fine and how are you doing? Okay, pretty good. Oh, I'm mad at my boss, blah, blah, blah. To all of a sudden, bam, we'd get right underneath all the BS belief systems (laughs) to the core of what was really going on. And dreams just seem to be that. They're like my version of tarot cards, just way to Mm -hmm. get right to what's the problem and what's the solution without skipping a beat. So that, that was my background. And it's still a big part of the work that I do. I have a a workshop the first Wednesday of every month. It's an open dream circle online called Wild Woman Wednesdays. It's a dream circle. So you're welcome to come anytime, Ashley. But I noticed that because dreams, there's a particular way that I work with them, always seeking to transform the, the difficult dreams, the nightmares, turning them into positive dreams, energy that can help us. I started to notice... My ability to do that in waking reality as well, because oh yeah, everything is a dream. We're always dreaming, so of course those principles would apply. So that kind of led me to write this book, even though it's not front and center all about dreams. Dreams weave their way through it, but it's mostly this dream consciousness that I think helped me become a better problem solver. So I still advocate dream work to people if they want to become better problem solver, better navigators of their lives. Then. It's one of the one of the sneaky, quick ways to become better at being able to navigate life,
0: huh, interesting. I never thought of it that way. I love that, but when you say that that was the way to get to somebody quickly like to understand yes. what's going on it's yes. them is it them talking about their dreams and them feeling more connected to you because you kind of they went deeper into their soul, or is it is that part of it, and is also another part of it is you understand like if it's a message from you know whatever they're saying it's the what I was learning from you was the dream is what's going on even if it's with another person in there it's really what's going on with you yes 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 so yes to everything
1: that you just said
0: I would say that the ego
1: is not the enemy but it can be tricky So our ego's job is to keep us safe and protected and to look good at all times. And the trick with that is if we want to transform, we need the ego to step aside from time to time. We all, we also need it to come back so that we can drive through traffic and we can navigate our lives and, you know, as a civilized human being. But what's great about dreams is that the ego doesn't run our dreams. What runs our dreams is everything that the ego can't handle. It's like all the balls that the the ego's juggling, all the balls that the ego drops. So that's why dreams are so interesting. There's a saying that that dreams don't lie. And our ego, well, we can spin a tale. Oh, could we spin a tale? You know, we can justify, rationalize, deny, all manner of things. But our dreams are like, eh. This is what's really going on. This is where I'm scared. This is where I'm hurt. This is where I've given my power away. So like a lot of people dream about sex with an ex. Like a, a you know, and they're like I don't love him anymore, but why do I keep dreaming about my ex? Cuz it's where you left a part of your energy behind. So you're dreaming about some recurring place, a childhood home, a school, um A breakup because there's some part of you that got frozen in time back then and your dream is trying to help us re or help you recapture that vital essence and bring it into real time. So it's kind of the lens I look at, look at things through and look
0: at dreams through. Okay. So saying that when you look at where you go, when you sleep, when you go or when you go to sleep where your soul goes to like, you know, I've in this podcast, it's been three years and I've interviewed people, you know, your soul travels for astral traveling. Yeah. And those are, you're really experiencing that dream. It's just in a different vibration. It's in a different plane of existence. Is that what you believe?
1: Well, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it's kind of like words are like the finger pointing at the moon it's not the finger, it's the moon, but it's this thing that is wordless, like who we are in consciousness. We can't exactly find the right words to explain, but we have to, it's the best way we've got. So we try, but basically it's like, we are these absolutely multi-dimensional, multi-faceted beings like diamonds. Like there's just so many, so many facets and we identify one facet as being kind of the human ego aspect. And we say, that's who I am. And we're like, right. oh, but then dreams happen. And it's like, no, 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 you are so much more. You're connected to all the ascendant masters. You're connected to, to all the great, all the heavens. You're connected with all the things that have not been healed yet in this world. You're connected to your ancestors. You're connected to... Consciousness is that you don't even have words for or names for. You are infinite, an infinite being having a finite experience. But it's important to, while we're here in this body, in this dimension, to remember that we have access to something so much more vast. And even just that awareness alone, even if we don't know what it all means, just knowing that we're connected to something great. It's kind of like knowing we have... A bank account with millions and millions of dollars, even if we haven't figured out the pin code to access it, knowing that it's there, <laughs> right? It can give us a little boost like, oh, yeah, I'm not oh, just that. this, I'm so much more. One day I'll find out that pin code and maybe my dreams will help give me that pin code. But in the meantime, wow, oh, yeah, I'm not just this little struggling being. There's more to me than meets the eye.
0: Right. What do you say about dreams that are reoccurring then? Yeah. Is that, are those lessons that we keep? I have school dreams all the time that Do I you? can't find my class. I had to go back to high school. I, you know, it's constant and I'll wake up and I'm just like so stressed out and thinking I didn't get to finish school and I didn't go to that grade and I missed that class, but it's always. Yeah. I always find, I think it's funny that the people
1: that I hear and meet that have those dreams are people that really do well in life. They're really up to something. And so it's kind of like any mother that worries if she's a good enough mother probably is a great mother. It's the ones that don't worry that we should worry about. (laughs) So having a dream about school, that you're missing the class, that you're missing the grade, you forgot the test. It means that you're probably the type that likes to be prepared. And probably these dreams might, if you look at when you have them, you might notice, like chart the calendar and notice there might've been some big event that was coming up right around the corner that the dream was a message to be prepared to do the extra, to go the extra mile, to get your ducks in a row so that, you mm-hmm. could show up and make it look so easy. But right. behind the scenes, there was this like, get it together. But only people that are really productive and successful people have those kind of dreams. I've not met one slacker that has a bunch of,
0: oh, can't figure well, out their there you go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm not a slacker. <laughs> You're not a slacker. <laughs> and the recurring nature of dreams. I always yeah. say that's the cosmic highlighter pen. Just like any recurring mm. issue that happens in our lives, it means okay, I'm the common denominator here. There is, the universe is trying to tell me something. It's like Groundhog's Day, Right. that movie. It's like, okay, let me pay attention. At the very least, that's what to do. Like every little detail here is trying to give me a message that I've not yet received. So let me just slow this down and really look at it. Like Bill Murray's character in Groundhog's Day, where he finally says, all right. If this is going to change, I've got to do something different. So let me really examine what's happening here and how can I do even just a little bit better in each instance, each each of the things that the dream is bumping us up against. How can we really open up? How can we transform? How can we elevate our circumstance as a result of of having done this so many times. And often once we do that, we kind of break the spell. And it's as if the universe rewards us by saying, now you're done with that assignment. Ta-da, here's a new one. You get to have a totally different series of dreams.
0: Right. So when you work with people and they come to you, they're either, what, struggling with dreams? I mean, what, or they're just curious, like, I would love to know, like, what is it, I'm sure it's a mixture, but what would be the main client that would come to you?
1: I would say it there's been different different types over over the years. I would say at this point people come to me because they just want their lives to be better. And so it's for kind of general spiritual coaching, but dreams tend to show up. So some people come to see me just because of wild and vivid dreams they're having. But but I also do I feel like dreams are kind of the platform for so much more. They're a way that our our spirit communicates us, to us. So it's it's kind of spiritual counseling, but there's always a dream element to it, whether explicitly or implicitly. So I think even if somebody comes to me because they don't typically remember a dream, by the time they work with me a little bit, they start remembering. Their Their dream recall starts to kick in. But we could say that of the people that bring their dreams to me, most of those dreams are not the happiest of dreams because they don't usually pay somebody to help them unravel right. a dream about winning the lottery. And they did win the lottery. Woo! They would keep all that to themselves, right? So, so over the years, I have seen a. I've probably heard every kind of nightmare imaginable, and I've gotten really good at being able to hold the space for those dreams. And where I even get to the point of being really excited about nightmares because- Right.
0: Well, I was like, yeah, I heard that.
1: Yeah. Because I because I know that the nightmare is happening to get the person's attention, even to get my own attention when I have my own nightmares so that we can make some great course corrections so that we can change the the way that our lives are unfolding so that we can get back on track with our highest destiny so we can live a more magical, wonderful life.
0: Can you program your
1: dreams? Yes. Yeah, we can. And I like, I like to do this loosely. I call this dream-a-festing. And I'll be talking oh. about this in more depth in my, my re- re- retreat coming up in June in Costa Rica. But this is where you, you get an idea, a sense of what you need help with. So it could be that there's some gnawing issue in your life, or there's maybe something very aspirational. Maybe you want to write your book or you want to... Plan a trip to Paris or you want to. I remember one, one kid actually, <laughs> he was the, he was a client's son who said, I really want to meet this skater guy who I'd never heard of. And I'm like, well, think about it before you go to sleep. And literally the next day he met this one famous person, the only famous person in all of Los Angeles he wanted uh-huh. to meet. And that was the person he met. It was who he was focused on right, right before he went to sleep. So, what you think about right before you go to sleep. This is prime real estate. So the what you fantasize about, what you call to mind, and I like to think of it as what you give thanks for in advance. This is mm-hmm. probably one of the little sneaky shortcuts is to be grateful before it even shows up as if to say you already have it, you just haven't uncovered it. Like just like going through your closet, everything you need is in your closet you don't need to go shopping for anything. Everything's back there. So it's kind of like, oh yeah, the lottery ticket is in that closet. The trip to Paris, all everything I need for that is in my closet. I just need to remember that I already have it. So you want to set that intention before you go to sleep, have your dream, wake up in the morning and Interpret your dream from the perspective that it's giving you a clue, just like a detective on a hunt for clues. It's a clue for how to bring that desired outcome into fruition.
0: Right. And when you wake up in the morning, you say to just be still, like, what is your recommendation? You say something like that.
1: Exactly. It's in order to remember our dream, because that's the that's the tough part. Most people jump out of bed so quickly because there's so many things to do. It's like, oh, like we're kind of like, you know, running all around. But the moment we wake up, we need to train ourselves to fall back in into that sleep position that we had just been in to not move a muscle and to do our very best to remember at least the last impression of what our dream was happening, even if it doesn't make any sense, even if it seems ridiculous, even if it's silly, just write it down acknowledge it because that is like a little whisper that connects you to that larger, infinite realm beyond just kind of the ordinary mundane stuff of this world. And that little teeny wisp, even if it's just a piece of a dream is enough. It's like a little piece of a golden ticket that gives you access to this world of, of magic.
0: Do you go to <laughs> uncover your magic and your dreams? Uncover that. Yeah. Um, but do you go to bed excited about dreaming? Yeah, I mean I try not to get too
1: excited because too much excitement makes it hard to sleep but <laughs> but it is exciting. I mean getting a good night's sleep and having great dreams is is something I think we should all look forward to with anticipation and you know one way to I always tell people this is not just a shameless plug but one thing we can do if we're reading a book about dreams like if you pick up any of my book on books on dreams especially the chicken soup for the soul books because those are such short stories about dream miracles
0: I love my dreams and I love to yes. wake up and You know, and my dad passed away like 17 years ago and he'll come in my dreams, you know, and I know, like, I know that he's visiting, you know, so when people have lost their loved ones and they come in their dreams, do they come to you and try to get messages or what is he trying to tell me or? Exactly. Well, it's one of the most
1: amazing things because often in our dreams, and you tell me what this has been like with, with your dad. And I know for me, I've got a lot of loved ones on the other side. Having a dream about them is so precious. It's kind of like getting to hack the system. Right. In some way. It's like we get to, I think if we were truly enlightened beings, we would have the awareness of them whenever we needed. Right. As often as we needed. So in the meantime, as a way of being able to kind of work out our muscles in the consciousness gym, having a dream of a departed loved one, of your dad, of one of my best friends, of one of my pets. It's like I'm with them and I'm remembering their essence. And I'm even getting a message from them and even giving a message to them. It's a two-way street. It's not just because they're on the other side. They're the wise ones. Sometimes they're needing some insight from us as well. So it's the relationship gets to continue. And it is, I would say more often than not, it's not just a dream. It's a visitation.
0: That's what I was going to ask you. Like, I feel like when my dad is in my dream, I'm there with him. We're doing something. Yeah. That's really going on. I'm really, that's what you mean by that different. Yeah. And could it be, I mean...
1: If somebody told you your dad still loves you, your dad's still around, you'd be like, oh, okay, that's great. That's nice. But the fact that you have the dream, you have the actual experience, it's an experience that is yours and you get to keep that and you get to actually remember. I mean, just like you remembering actual times with him 17 years ago before before he passed. But this is like, it's a continuation of the relationship and nothing can be more healing than that. Because I think our biggest challenge that we face as humans is the idea that one day we're not going to be here. And one day the people we love aren't going to be here. So how do we come to peace with that? Our dreams are helping us to do that because they're teaching us that, oh yeah, our lives don't stop when our bodies stop. What's most essential about ourselves and our loved ones is, is our spirit. And that part cannot be destroyed. It cannot be born and it cannot die. It's eternal and it grows and it builds. So how do you feel after you have one of those dreams? Yeah, I just your, feel close.
0: And yeah, it's so comforting. Yeah. You know, you sparked a memory and something I was listening to you talk about was what I loved. And it was such a different way of saying it, but how we've chosen to come to this earth and there's a waiting list. And it's like we won the lottery yes. that we got to come. And even though there's 8 billion people here on this earth, we are one of those and there's still a line out the door like it's, go there oh, I yeah. want to hear your perspective on how that all works in your mind
1: yeah well one of the stories in my book is the one where I died I <laughs> when the ambulance blurred for me I used to call it the teacup the the teacup in the sky because um, it was such a, it was the day before my 40th birthday I say it was on my 40th but it was the day before and I, and it was, um, my birthday was 8, 8, 2008, that oh, particular wow. birthday. So cool. I was like, something cool's gonna happen. I had no idea <laughs> that that would be like not being here anymore. But I got to the other side and, and that was a whole story. I, I, I ate a little piece of a hash cookie on an empty stomach and I'm a lightweight and it, it took me out. So a little bit piece of hash shouldn't do that. But, I left my body, my face turned totally white, my lips turned blue, I had no pulse. There was the ambulance and pandemonium in this Indian restaurant in Santa Monica. And all I know is that I went into a place of great, extraordinary beauty and love. And every time I even think about it, I feel like I'm catapulted into this memory of all is well, all is good, no matter what's happening. And I felt so relieved when I got there. So coming back into my body, because I was aware of the juxtaposition of my incredible exponential bliss versus what was happening on the human level, which was complete and utter chaos, 911, everybody freaking out, my husband and friends. Like, so upset, and I couldn't communicate with them. I was trying so hard to reassure them. And had they been at peace with me not being in my, like, me going, then I would have kept on going because it was like amazing. But because they weren't hearing me, I felt guilty. I felt like, well, that's not fair. I can't have all this bliss while I leave them feeling so horrible. I've got to at least let them know that I'm okay, and then I'm going to go. But all I know is that I I realized a, f- a couple of things. One is that death is nothing to fear. It is, I mean, we could be a little jealous of the people that die because of where they get to go, but we also can be jealous of our future self that gets to be connected to those people on the other side. And also it's something to look forward to. But in the meantime, and this is getting back to your question, I'm glad I got to come back into this body because it's an opportunity to practice what I learned on the other side which I have a long way to go. I haven't practiced it perfectly by any means, but I but I really try. But it gives me it gives me I feel like I'm a better version of myself because of what happened. Mm. But I also realize I'm not in a hurry to get out of this life. So for anybody watching or listening to this and they're like wow it sounds like this is a she's trying to tell us to like get off the planet as soon as possible i'm not because i i have this sense that it it's a big deal to get here in this body in this life it's like we sh- we should imagine that in order to get here we had to go through so much we had to qualify. We had to stand in line. We had to, we had to beg, borrow and steal in the angelic realm (laughs) to be able to say, please, please, please. I want to go to earth school. I want to get my body. I want to experience density. I want to experience the third dimension because how else are we going to experience contrast? We're all a bunch of angels that are not from this place. And the place where we're from is pure love and beauty that is exponential. And in order to know that beauty and that exponential bliss, we have to know the contrast. We have to know kind of the this earth form. I think of it as like an art form that is like like clay, as opposed to singing, something that's a little bit easier, more etheric, like to get in here. This, this world is a bit muddier and it's a bit denser and things move slower. But I think it is where all the angels want to be. I think huh. this is this is where it's at because we have the ability to be in heaven while on earth. That is our job. That is to uncover our magic. So you say this on your show. I've seen some of your episodes like and listened. You're, it's like uncovering your magic is where it's at. It's absolutely where it's at while we're in this form. On the other side, that's easy to do. But if we can do that while we're here, then it's like we really get to own it. So this is a precious incarnation. And we really, you know, if we were if we were wise, instead of wanting to get off the boat so quickly or wanting to just wish this life away, like how many more years do I have here? Let me punch in my card. We would just say, no, 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 let's truly make the most of every single moment and not waste anything and even let's not waste the crises.
0: Right. I love that. Oh my gosh. That really, I love that. That really, I know everyone listening is thinking the same thing as me, but I love that because it really does. When you talk about how it's so, you know, you want to come here so bad, it's to learn the contrast, to learn what that feels like, because When we're in it, people look at it like it's a crisis or this is hard, or but it's not. We chose to be that. What would people, what do you say about, because right now I want to move to your book, but I want to ask you one more question. Yeah, sure. When people decide not to come back or an angel decides to say, oh, I want to stay in heaven, why would they choose that?
1: Well, I think, I mean, there's probably... A, you know, so many different ways that a soul can incarnate. And and we only know a few. I mean, we know that there's animals. We know that there are spirits and there's, there's different beings. I think that the soul is probably coded to go to the greatest place of learning and growing. My book, Luminous Humanist, the subtitle was how to go grow and glow. I think the ultimate way to to learn is to glow and some of us know that we need the contrast and i think we just pick where we incarnate based on based on desire based on what resonates and i think maybe we you know some of us think oh god we forgot to read the fine print because it's really hard here this is not easy this is painful here we're to be sensitive and then to live in a world that's got such rough edges krishna there's a quote from him that says there's it's no measure of health to be well adapted to a to a highly dysfunctional world something like that and it's true it's a dysfunctional world but right. but i think the great mystics and sages have all said the same thing like we're we're here to bring the light in to this dimension that's part of it like if we if we're wondering what our purpose is it's to bring the light in, in the only way that we can, in the way that only we can. And it's to find purpose even in our difficulties. And so I think, I don't know, I don't know that every angel wants to come back. I know some people are like, okay, I'm done. But, but it's a good place to be, to learn these lessons and to make the most of, I don't know. I think, I think this is where it's at. actually.
0: right. I think all the
1: angels would agree. Most yeah. of them, anyway.
0: <laughs> I love that. You know, where it's all about growing. You know, you you want to grow, right? Well, yeah. Most souls want to grow.
1: Yeah, I think we need to have some moments of fun and just play. But I, who's to say we're not growing during that? I love yeah. Michael Beckwith's quote that pain pushes until inspiration pulls.
0: Oh yes, I love
1: that. Yeah. Um, so I think the growth can happen either way, and I think as we get more evolved we can grow through through joy and through bliss much more than we don't need the difficulties to get off our butts and and get in action
0: right so let's go to these stories that i love in this book and what has touched me and you know i know you have a method at the after this ogle method that you work with which for me, I have a in my programs, I have them do kind of similar. I don't have Ooh. those letters and what you created, which is amazing. But to show, you know, the good thing, what happened, focus on the lesson and all that. But I want you to yeah. go through that. But I would love for you to, my first story is about with gypsy, with your friend oh. gypsy. And then after you say the story, could we yeah. go over the Ogle method so you can explain how you worked through that, what you called a crisis? And turned it into a blessing.
1: Yeah. It's still shocking to me. So Gypsy was and I think still is my best friend. She was someone who I well, I met her thirty probably thirty years ago at this point. Yeah, right around thirty years ago. Um, we met in an AA meeting. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. I can't believe I put that in the book. Like, oh, you're not supposed to write about that stuff, but she's on the other side. So Um, (laughs) she, I only had a few days in the program and I was struggling so hard. I mean, it was every day was a struggle for me. Um, I was, I was very suicidal. I had, it was like the dark cloud of you shouldn't be on this planet was hovering over Mm -hmm. my head. So, so much at that time. And I was working with a very militant sponsor. She was like one of those sponsors in AA that has like 100 people that follow her around like little ducklings and she barks <laughs> orders and everybody does what she says, but she keeps everybody sober. So I was like, okay, I'm going to I gonna, even though she was mean, I was I was her duckling. <laughs> her sponsy and she said she said Write your write your phone number on ten pieces of paper, (laughs) your name and phone number, and don't give them to any guys. Only give them to girls that have less time than you. And I'm like, but I'm scared and I don't have any time. But she's like, somebody will have less time than you. So at the end of every meeting, they have people raise their hand and stand up if they're new. So those would be by definition, the people that had less time than me <laughs> okay. were new, like by one day, or by <laughs> just a few days. So I looked around and I had already written my name and phone number on a piece of paper. And there was this woman with giant eyes, just she reminded me of the nightmare before Christmas, the Sally character uh-huh. that had those giant eyes and long dark hair and huh. very pale skin and so beautiful. And just like from another era, And she just had, she was so sad and I handed her my, my number and, and we started to talk after the meeting and we just became like instantly bonded, instant, instant best friends. She said that her, her two-year-old daughter had just passed away and Hillary, and it, it was SIDS, it was them, the sudden infant death. And she, her husband was also there and said that they both hadn't been able to stop drinking since Hillary passed away. And so they both were desperate to get into AA and get and get clean and sober. And and so Gypsy called me the next day and we ended up going to see Marion Williamson speak. And then we ended up going to Agape together. We ended up discovering like there was so much sadness but the the things that would perk gypsy up were talking about like she was a songwriter and a singer and the moment she would talk about her songs and she would play me the songs that she'd written it was like she would be completely a different person so so we started writing songs together and we started performing together. And she's like, I want us to open for Marianne Williamson. I'm like, yeah, right. Next thing <laughs> I know, we're on the stage with Marianne Williamson singing oh. and opening for her. She's like, I want us to sing at Agape. I'm like, Gypsy, we're not that good. Come on. We, and next thing I know, we're opening at Agape. Wow. And, and so. Gypsy was just so much fun. She was like the Thelma. I was like the Louise or either way. She was the one that did all the driving. That's for sure. (laughs) And um, she ended up getting pregnant two more times and had, she had two beautiful girls, Isabella and Luma I became the godmother of them. And we just had so many great times over our life. And it wasn't, She was, I always like to say, she's. she was, of all my friends, she was our resident Elizabeth Taylor, married five times. (laughs) And I, as a minister, married her, I think, four of those times. Oh, wow. Cute. So anyway, a few years ago, it was right at the beginning of COVID, she got really sick and she got cancer of the tongue. And it was horrible. Like it was just it was so awful and they were trying to carve out the cancer from her tongue and to build her a new tongue sorry this is i know maybe tmi but but the part that's important is so she was while her tongue was healing she couldn't talk she couldn't sing she couldn't eat she couldn't drink she couldn't smoke She liked to, she did like to smoke. So there's a warning there, but she also was very passionate. She couldn't kiss. She couldn't do like any of the things that were, that were her favorite things in life. They were kind of like all taken from her. And then the doctor, the surgeon carved out her whale. She had humpback whales tattooed around her, her wrist, her left wrist. And they took that off of her wrist when they took out, when they they had to do like, um, they had to take, they removed the vein from her left wrist to put the vein into her tongue. So at first it seemed like, oh my god, are you kidding me? They're taking your, they're taking away your whales. Like they've taken everything from you. But we discovered later that they put that they they grafted the whales on her tongue. Wow. So it was like, okay, well maybe now you're going to speak whale. Which is just such a bizarre synchronicity because literally right before, right before our interview, my husband and my my husband's studio is just in the building right next door to us. And he wanted me to come in to listen to this meditative thing that he created. I was like, what are those sounds? And they were the sounds of whales.
0: Oh, that that was her.
1: That was chipsy. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, wait, what is that? That high pitch? She's like, those are whales. I'm like, oh my gosh! So, the Gypsy story isn't one that most people ask about. So I'm, I was shocked that you asked about that one. So I'm, anyway. Oh, cool. So after she passed, it was so hard, so painful, and she passed on my wedding anniversary.
0: (laughs) Oh wow!
1: Come on, Gypsy. But but after I got home from just being like worn out. I was sitting on my front porch with my, my hero's journey Oracle deck. My husband and I often, most days we pick a card is it's kind of our meditation, kind of our spiritual. And, and I said, I just want to know where gypsy is. I want a message from gypsy, like gypsy. I need to know where you are, what you're doing. Like, give me a sign now. So I picked the card, and of the 54, the the 52 cards in that deck, there's one card that is the whale card. It's the belly of the whale because it relates to the hero's journey, the stages. And that was the card that I pulled, the whale of a time card. And that just, and I, and I had written it, but I had, I didn't remember what I had written. And it was basically, I don't know, I should probably pull it
0: and see if I can find it. Ah, I don't have it in front of me. Oh, I remember this, you reading it and I was like, yes, oh my gosh. Yes, I do.
1: I do. I'll find oh, it. Good. here. But it it felt like it was gypsy communicating to me through through the card and now I have all kinds of like if the whale is often is my is the way that she connects with me. Okay, there she is. She speaks whale. Okay, drum roll please. Let me see.
0: <laughs> that, but you've made the or- two oracle decks.
1: I've got five oracle decks. Five. I've got the hero's journey dream oracle. I've got just the dream oracle. And then I've got dream goddess and awakened dreamer. And, and right now on, um, let me see, is this it? Oh, there it is. It just came out for pre order, the Dia de los Muertos deck. Oh, so, yes, Dia Day of the Dead. So, I, I dedicate that to that. Gypsy. And then there will be that they'll be coming out. Actually, they're also available for pre order, Luminous Humanness, which I've dedicated both of those decks to Gypsy. Uh-huh. Gypsy's actually in the Dia de los Muertos deck. There's one of the cards that's called the Ofrenda, which is the altar. And there's a little picture of her on oh, the Oh, I love it. So, this is what the card read. Whale of a Time. Own your largesse. Most people think of the belly of the whale stage of the hero's journey as a dark night of the soul, but it doesn't have to be. You have the ability to go with the flow and the potential to own your power. When you contemplate the nature of this loving, ancient being we call whale, envision swimming with it and receiving its wisdom and love, you are reminded that you are sovereign, wild and free. The whale is here to remind you whenever you find yourself in a challenging circumstance, your charge is to enlarge. Your mandate is to become a heart space so large the world can fit in, fit within it. This card is your reminder to stop resisting and instead open and allow the diversity of life and the entire ocean of emotion of all sentient beings to be celebrated and loved. Mantra, as I embrace my inner whale, my heart grows as big and deep as the ocean.
0: Mm, That is beautiful. You wrote that?
1: Yeah, Yeah, that piece right there is from The Hero's Journey. Dream Oracle. So I'm kind of doing this out of order, but in the way I ogled this, so the ogle is my formula.
0: Yes, 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 yes.
1: So what was so, O is what's offensive to give yourself. I always tell people and myself give ourselves permission to be what hurts us, what's offending us. In this situation, it was Gypsy dying and dying a pretty excruciating and an awful death, and cancer taking so much away from her. And then, what was good those the G is for what's good about this, right so what was good is well, I put in here the the fact that that gypsy oh so i I mean nothing's good about somebody you love dying from the human perspective, but on the other side, from another perspective, there's so much that we can learn from a person's life in retrospect. I called Danian Brinkley, who I mentioned in the story about my own death experience. I met Danian just days after I died. <laughs> oh. and he, he's died many times and he's kind of known as Dr. Death. Anyway, while Gypsy was dying, I got him on the phone with Gypsy for him to give her a message. And it was so amazing because immediately he tapped into her and said, your cancer, I know you think that it's because of something you've done wrong and something that you didn't do well enough. He said, but this is your message to know that your work here is done. Hmm. You actually are complete with everything you came here to do. So this is not a bad thing. Your body has been through so much, so just let go. And But basically, it's like, consider death to be a celebration of having fulfilled your covenant with life. So I thought that was... Yeah, amazing
0: thing. That's beautiful.
1: And I got to just be grateful that I, you know, of all the time that I had with Gypsy and, and grateful that, you know, there's, there's so many synchronicities and so much, so much that I learned from being her friend. So I got to just explore what there is to be grateful for. Cause sometimes I think when somebody passes, we're just so sad that they die, but we don't, it's like we're, we feel ripped off because we don't have forever with them. Mm-hmm whereas we could just at the same time feel grateful for all that time that we had. Right. I was so grateful that I met her when we were relatively young, you know, in our early 20s, we got to have all these years together. So the the gratitude goes on and on. And then in the looking glass, so in the looking glass, whatever is offensive to us, we need to look at how we do that ourselves. So in in Gypsy's case, she died. So if i was like the most painful thing i could do to myself and i think this is what a lot of us do when somebody dies it's kind of like in solidarity in it's kind of a, a backwards way of paying homage to them is mm-hmm. we let a part of ourselves die with them mm-hmm. like we we kind of we kind of dim our light a little bit it's almost as if to say well if i keep shining then it's as if I didn't care about them. Right. So if I truly loved them, I would let myself join them and I would die die too. So I could see that I was kind of wanting to do that. It was hard for me to to live for a mm. while. So I got to see that it's not my time to die. So then that brings me to the E, the elevate is to, the E for elevate is, well, what can we do? What part do we have some kind of, not necessarily control like in a controlling way, but what is in our lane to do? So in my case, it was, I need to be as alive as Gypsy would want me to be. I need to think of her and dedicate my living to her, to the things that she didn't get a chance to do. And I want to swim more. I want to sing more. I want to do all the things that, that Gypsy won't get a chance to do. And love as crazy, passionately, wildly as she did. So those are some things that mm-hmm. I that I can do to elevate myself. And now, and also whenever I see whales or dolphins to let myself be reminded of how eternal we truly are.
0: Yes. Oh, I love that. Oh, thank you for sharing that. That really touched thank me.
1: Thank you. Yeah. I can't believe that, that I was just coming from the whale sounds and I hadn't connected it with Gypsy, which normally I do. She was kind of like, whack, Kelly, I'm putting those whale sounds in your house so that you'll remember me.
0: Oh, and I had to, she must have sent a little message to me. Ask about me. I know, I know. She would have loved you. She would have absolutely loved you. There's so many in that book and we're coming to the end. You know, the other one I was thinking of because it's lighter is the one at the coffee shop. You know, cause I think, you know, it's <laughs> a simple way, cause as a mom, you know, like teaching my yeah. girls, just yes. even that story, like reading that to them and having them understand, like when someone tells you, so can you do that in a, Oh in a, yes. I'll be quick. Okay. Let's see. But this is a great lesson for everyone. I feel like. I think about this
1: one all the time, especially when people don't get what they think they want. It's kind of like you don't always get what you want, but you get what you need. So the nutshell is I was working on my first book many hours trying to get my unreasonable page count in so I could turn my book in on time. And I, the only way I could do it was to be at a coffee house and to be in that stimulation of, of all the buzz of the coffee house. And, and out of nowhere, the manager of the coffee house like very rudely tells me I can't plug in my laptop in in their coffee house. I thought it was a joke. And I'm like, that's that's hilarious. All right. Buzz off, buddy. And he's like, no, 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 you really you can't plug in your laptop here. I thought, am I in the twilight zone? No, no, no. This is this is what people do in coffee houses. And he was so rude about it. I'm like, I want to talk to your manager. He said, I am the manager. (laughs) Oh, my God. So funny. So I found myself wanting to just go in, like, my inner rage monster woke up. And I'm like, I want to kill this guy. He's ruining my flow for today. How do you? I fashioned my entire identity on being the kind of person that never gets kicked out of anywhere. (gasps) Oh, my God. So I'm walking out the door with my laptop, just kind of in a state of shock, like, what the heck is all that about? So this little thought bubble comes over my head. What if there's a meaning in all of this? I'm like, screw you. No, right. this just sucks. So, <laughs> but there was that little, hmm. So I get home, pull out the mail out of my mailbox, and going to throw all this stuff away, all the junk mail. But I realize there's five postcards for a brand new coffee shop that had just opened up around the corner from where I lived that I never would have noticed because I'm all, I was only attuned to the familiar places that I was used to going. But on one of the postcards, it said, present this and get your first coffee and pastry on us. I'm like, Oh, well, maybe I'll check this out. I mean, what have I got to lose? So I drive the few blocks to this place and it is like a, the Shangri-La of coffee houses. It was so cute. It was like New Orleans, bordello style, just wrought iron and flowers and so beautiful. And it was these hunky men come out in front and they're like, hi, Uh, hi there. I mean, they're both gay, but still (laughs) they were so sweet. And they're like, come on in. It was as if they were there to greet me. I'm covered in chills Uh as I say this. And it was brand new. There was hardly anybody in it. Like nobody knew it was there. And they were like, what kind of coffee do you want? We'll make you our favorite. And I'm like, okay. And it was the most delicious caramel almond. Frappuccino, whatever it was. It was so good. Like gave me a little sampling of all their scones. I'm like, I shouldn't do so many carbs, but today, (laughs) screw it. So, and they say, well, what are you doing here? I'm like, well, I'm working on a book. I've got a deadline. They're like, oh, you must sit in this chair. This is the best place. This is our feng shui person said, this is the vortex of the whole place. Here, give us your laptop. You can plug in right here. I'm like, oh my God. They're letting me plug in. They're letting me (laughs) plug in. So in a nutshell, this is where I ended up writing the rest of my book. They ended up throwing me a book launch party when my book came out. They became my book, Fairy Godfathers. They were like... It was an angelic thing. So I realized Mm -hmm. this is just true across the board. Whenever, like rejection is God's protection. Whenever we are told you can't come in here, we don't want you for this. We don't love you. I don't like you. It just means that there's someone, something 5,000 times better than yes. whatever we thought it was supposed to be. Right. So that is one of my favorite stories because life is constantly doing that to us. Right. Don't go here, go here because we have a much better destiny for you here if we could just know that and not have to kick up such a fuss as I did <laughs> and we could leave with a little more dignity and just know. Okay, that just means something's better for me. Thank you. Thanks Thank for you for the information. Bye bye. I'll
0: <laughs> Bye-bye. take my cord and.
1: <laughs> I'll take out my cord and <laughs> plug in <laughs> elsewhere, or, or where they want me. Because who wants to be where we're not wanted anyway? Where there's somebody exactly. else that
0: wants us always. Exactly. Yes. Oh, I, but you know, what, I think that story struck a chord in me, like I said, like as a mom, knowing that as a young child, as a young girl, getting ready to start their life, and knowing like anything that's gonna tell you to know a no is a as a yes somewhere else, exactly, know? and it's the no isn't a
1: yes from that person that said no. I mean, some people say, "Well, a no is just a yes that's flipped up. No, no, no. I mean, the yes. universe is guiding us. If we were most, if we were totally enlightened, it wouldn't take somebody having to say, "Don't plug in here." I would have just energetically known, "Not here." Ooh, this feels better. Like, I think as we get better, we we don't have to have such harshness. <laughs> like that right. was pretty harsh. It was like, "Get the hell out of here, lady." <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. He's like, you have these other guys to meet. Go. And I never, ever would have gone. And it was, so I think about, I have to tell myself this all the time because we're constantly doing, we're constantly, and at least for people like you and I, we're we're like entrepreneurial. We're putting our neck out. You never, we don't get yeses for everything. We, We expose ourselves to and hope, but there's, the universe has a plan for all of us period. And if we attune to it, we can enjoy the entire journey, even when it's not exactly where we thought
0: it was supposed to be. Right. Love it. I love you. I love meeting you. I love (laughs) love your books. I love everything that you talk about. Um, (laughs) So we can find you at your website at kellysullivanwalden.com.
1: And if that's too hard to Bell, you can go to I had the strangest dream.com. Oh. That's the name of that book I was writing back then in that coffee house. Oh, I had neat. the strangest dream. It'll take you to Kelly Sullivan, And all my info is there about my book and my upcoming trip to Costa Rica in June. It's that all sounds about amazing. dreams and transforming the tragic into magic. And I've got a dream work practitioner training program for people who want to incorporate dream work into their healing practice. Practices and whatever they do as a coach or guide. And yeah, all those things are available on kellysullivanwalden.com or I had thestrangestream.com.
0: Perfect. Oh, thank you so much. It was so fun. Thank you, Ashley. You're so thank you. beautiful. Thank you for listening to the Uncover Your Magic podcast today. If you were inspired by what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already please subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. If you would like to connect with me with any questions, comments, or feedback, please contact me at the Uncover Your Magic website. Thank you so much for listening, and don't forget, always look for the magic.